Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Now, the other week, we kicked off with our most underrated in each and every position. We've already done fullback, we've done wingers, we've done centres, we did the halves the other day. This afternoon, we're going to jump into the back rowers, as suggested by many people on the Rugby League Guru Podcast listeners' Facebook page. A number of fantastic suggestions here. We always kick off with our notable mentions. And look, all of these options were fantastic. I chose a select few that I thought personally were incredibly underrated, and I've actually thrown in one extra that I I'm very, very surprised no one mentioned. Some of the notable mentions are two from Greg Spence, Stephen Kearney and Adam Muir, two champion players. I believe the Paracave podcast has just had Adam Muir on their podcast. So go and have a listen to that. A champion bloke, champion fella, Adam Muir. Uh, we've had David Stagg suggested by a few people, including John Fairfall, a fantastic player, David Stagg, very underrated. One that was very, very close to making uh, my deep dive today, and he probably deserved it, but he just missed, was from Jesse Redenback, Always got good suggestions, Jesse. Mick Crocker. Uh, one of my favourites of all time, obviously. Melbourne Storm, South Sydney, Sydney Roosters. He was an unbelievable player, Mick Crocker. I've got all the time in the world for Mick Crocker. A champion Queenslander as well. Uh, such a good player. Zach Haig throws up the South Sydney champion, Johnny Sutton. Uh, depending on whether you look at Sutton as a 5'8", a lock or a second rower, he did play there and he was an incredibly gifted second rower. Noah Watson chucks up Chock Watmo, a champion player. We spoke about him in our best manly team the other day. A guy that was probably unlucky not to get a mention here. Unbelievable player. John Pappas throws up Dallas Johnson. Obviously a bit of a lock forward. We're actually going to dive into locks over the next uh, few days, John. So stay tuned for that. And I have no doubt Dallas Johnson uh, will fit into that category. But John Pappas also had another fantastic one. He said Boyd Cordner. Now, a lot of people obviously have a lot of respect for Cordner. I still feel like he is underrated, though, to be honest with you. I think he was such a fantastic leader. I think you have to truly understand football to appreciate the sort of back row that Boyd Cordner was. And the amount of respect that I hear other guys hold for him that have played with him. He really was an unbelievable player and he really was taken too soon from our game. Would have loved to have seen him play on for a couple more years. Obviously a guy that broke a heap of records and whatnot. You know, we went pretty deep on this when he did retire the other day. Very sad news uh, in 2021. But boy, Cordner. Um, yeah, it, John John Pabber says it well. Obviously recognised with rep jersey and Capsi, but I swear the average fan does not appreciate him. And I back this in 100%, John. A great suggestion there. Mark Munro suggested Andrew Ryan, the Bobcat, sensational player. All you have to do is watch the 2004 Grand Final to see how uh, how crucial he was in that game into this Canterbury side. I still think even that night he was underrated. Willie Mason was unreal. I think I read the other day he actually ran for 300 metres in that game, which is crazy. But Andrew Ryan... He was worth about 18 points that night, and Canterbury, they only scored 16. So he saved two tries. He threw uh, a pass for one. He was just involved in everything, Bobcat, so an unbelievable player. Uh, we've got another suggestion for Nathan Long. We've got suggestions for Nathan Hindmarsh as well. Hindy, a champion player. Um, Andrew Perkis, a sensational one here. Brad McKay sort of played a little bit all over the place, but uh, was a sensational back rower. Clive Churchill medalist as well as Andrew 
Andrew mentioned. Matty Quinnell always throws up some good options and a couple of fantastic Melbourne Storm options here. Matty Rua, Ryan Hoffman, Kenny Bromwich still playing today. Kenny Bromwich, extremely underrated for me, as is probably Felice Cafusi, realistically. Ryan Hoffman was a real standout uh, for me from that group, though. He also suggested Tony Pulitua, Joe Nullivau, too. Incredibly underrated guys. Matty Heaton also threw up Boyd Cordner, hard to argue with. Uh, Max threw up Gifty. I'd probably consider Gifty more of a lock, but you could have him in the back row as well, of course. But I'm sure he's a guy we'll talk about when we jump into locks. Now, Eric Mizzy, he threw up Luke Lewis. And for a lot of us, uh, obviously, he went on to be a champion second row. It did start out in the centres. It was a really interesting career from Luke Lewis. Obviously, 2003, he wins that grand final on the wing. He then becomes a centre. He then becomes a 5'8", played a couple of games at half, and then became a lock forward then ended up in the second row. An unbelievable player, Luke Lewis. You could probably have him on the underrated list for every position on the field except pretty much hooker um, and front row. Unbelievable player. Elijah throws up Logan Swan. He did have some incredible ball skills. Made a really good suggestion there. And then Ethan threw up Ethan Lowe, funnily enough. So Ethan Lowe, obviously champion player for the North Queensland Cowboys for a long time. Was a sort of a late berth into state of origin, but was a champion player as well, Ethan Lowe. Uh, now I'm going to dive into the guys I'm going to take a deep dive on today. And the first one comes from Nick Andrews. He suggests Ben Kennedy. This is a guy that we spoke briefly about the other day in our Manly uh, best team of the NRL era. He only played two years at Manly, which is incredible incredible, but he was the Dallium lock forward of the year both those years. He was also the captain of the year, and whenever I've spoken to anyone from the Manly Seagulls, they talk about the influence he had on Manly, even moving forward. After that, they obviously entered an unbelievable era of success. They went to the grand final in 07, they won it in 08, they came back in 11, and it was all built. A lot of it was built off that fantastic forward pack. They had guys like Anthony Watmo, Glenn Stewart, these sort of fellas, and BK, he really took these guys under his wing and made them what they were. Ben Kennedy obviously played Played uh, just under 200 first game games, started at the Canberra Raiders, moved to the Newcastle Knights, and finished at the Manly Seagulls. For me, though, it's 2001. And this is where BK, I think he plays his best football he probably ever played, to be honest with you. Should be noted, he scored 70 tries throughout his entire career. In 2001, he played 29 games and scored 17 tries. Simply unbelievable. He scored a try in the grand final as well. But in their final series that year, the Newcastle Knights, they played a three-game final series. He scored four tries. So for a back rower, pretty impressive. And for me, I think the 2001 grand final, I think Joey was a fair Clive Churchill medalist. But I'll tell you what, if it would have gone to Ben Kennedy, you would have heard no arguments from me. He had an unbelievable game against the Parramatta Eels that night. should also be noted that when you're talking Ben Kennedy, and we obviously talk about Dave Fafita this year, that he scored two hat-tricks so far this year, and he becomes only the second player ever to score two hat-tricks behind Beaver Menzies, which is unbelievable for a forward. Um, Beaver obviously played, you know, he, he played outside Cliffy Lyons. He scored tries left, right, and center. David Fafita just does it with sheer power. Ben Kennedy, you wouldn't really say he was a David Fafita-style guy. He was damaging, no doubt about it, but he wasn't that high-end damaging sort of David Fafita-style it should be noted that in 2001, he scored one hat-trick. It was against the West Tigers the back end of the season. But four other occasions during that season, he scored doubles. So a pretty impressive knock there, one of them being in the prelim final before the grand final. So Ben Kennedy, another guy that got pretty close to scoring two hat-tricks in a season, he scored four doubles. So very impressive from BK, a guy that played 15 games for the Kangaroos, 13 games for the New South Wales Blues, a champion of our game. And I think he will be forever 
underrated, to be honest with you. He's sort of retired and just gone back to his life. Uh, he hasn't gone into the media or anything like that. So I think those guys, you're talking your Bradley Clydes as well, they definitely phase into uh, that underrated sort of category because they don't stay front and centre. Uh, but a champion player, Ben Kennedy, absolute legend of our game. Fantastic suggestion there, Nick. Our next one comes from Dylan Hodson. He suggests Gareth Ellis. And I back this one in heavily. This is a guy, did he retire at the start of this year or the end of last year? I can't remember, but um, I remember when he retired, I sort of took a deep dive into his career and unbelievable. Like, I'll obviously remember him just for the time that he spent at the Tigers. And I honestly thought he was one of the most damaging back rowers in our game, if not the most damaging back rower. He was unbelievable, Gareth Ellis. Came with a little bit of X factor of well, had a bit of a flick pass, a handy little offload to him, but he was just a leader. A lot like Boyd Cordner, probably a slightly bigger body than Boyd Cordner, uh, probably with a, 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 bit, a bit more skill in his hands as well. But he was just not afraid to take any tough carries. He was a fantastic leader for the West Tigers for a long time. I always remember whenever the Tigers were in big games, it was always Gareth Ellis that was standing up. There's a flick pass that he throws once to Benji Marshall, I believe it is. Bit of a reverse role, uh, role that I'll never forget. Uh, it was also a night, I think it was a prelim final. I think it was a final. I could be wrong, though, but I feel like I remember watching Gareth Ellis cross the try line, I think, three times to be the first try score. He got denied every single time. I remember watching that just going, my God, if you're on this fella for first try, I'd probably be at 15, 16s, probably higher realistically. You'd be pulling your hair out. Champion player Gareth Ellis obviously only played four seasons for the West Tigers uh, and made a huge impact in that time. But what I want you to consider is that he played 75 games for the West Tigers between 2009 2012. Now, he actually made his debut in England in 1999. So 10 years before he came to play for the West Tigers, he made his debut over in England. When he was done, he went back to England. He played until 2020, another eight or nine years. He played 362 games in England. Unbelievable. To make it even more impressive, he played for three clubs. He managed to play over 100 games for each and every one of them. Wakefield, he played 114 games for. Leeds, 121. And then Hull, 127 games. So to be a triple centurion at three different clubs and then smack in the middle of that, sneak over to Australia and play four. Four years. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. For the West Tigers in the second row and play 75 games there is unbelievable. Um, he played another 40 more tests for England as well. So it's more than 450 games, which I think is unbelievable when you consider the way that Gareth Ellis went about his footy. Incredibly impressive. Had, had a couple of injuries whilst he was at the Tigers as well that cost him a couple of games there. But an unbelievable player, more than 450 games, 75 games for the Tigers, 114 for Wakefield, 121 for Leeds, 127 for Hull. Simply 
unbelievable Gareth Ellis. I think he definitely is one of the most underrated of all time. Dylan, a fantastic suggestion there, brother. Our next one comes from Josh Dean. He throws up the New Zealand legend Simon Mannering, and I back this one in 100%. A guy that obviously played part of his career out in the centres, played some of it at lock, played a lot of it in the second row, though. I've actually got the numbers here. Played 156 games uh, for the New Zealand Warriors in the second row, played 74 at lock, played 59 out in the centre. So definitely uh, the most games he played in the second row. Made his debut in 2005, played all the way until 2018, all for the New Zealand Warriors, racking up an amazing 301 games. So... You know, it's not many guys that we talk about that get to play 300 games. I mean, we spoke about um, Kika Manu, that he made his debut the other day, and we spoke about the journey of that, and it's the journey that a lot of us fans don't see, the vast majority of us fans don't see, that leads to one first-grade game. For Simon Mannering to play 300 the way that he did, simply incredible. He was obviously the captain of the New Zealand Warriors for a number of years, and he really did... Um, he really did personify what the New Zealand Warriors brand was. An incredible player, Simon Mannering, one of the most underrated we've ever seen. Another 45 caps for the Kiwis as well on top of that. So he's, you know, essentially a 350 gamer in the back row doing what he was doing. Unbelievable with a 48% win rate for the Kiwis as well. When you consider, you know, the dominant kangaroos teams that he came up with. I mean, we talk about this New South Wales team. Geez, they had it tough coming up against that Queensland side. Mate, Simon Mannering and the New Zealand Kiwis, they had to come up against this Maroon side, plus a sprinkle of the best from the New South Wales Blues for a long time. A very tough gig to come up with a 48% win rate in total for his Kiwis. Yes, he played a lot of other teams that would have been easier to beat, but that Kangaroos team, that's who they played the most. And 48%, I think that's really impressive. Simon Mannering, a fantastic leader in our game, a guy that the New Zealand Warriors will forever wish they still had in their team. He retired, and Tohu Harris sort of stepped into that role a little bit. I think Tohu Harris is probably the closest thing uh, we've seen to Simon Mannering, but still isn't no Simon Mannering. He was just a one in a million sort of guy, Mannering a champion player, a champion bloke as well. Our next one comes from Connor Forgery, and he says, Matty Gillette, the best a man can get. I'm a huge fan of Matt Gillette, and I've said a couple of times on this podcast that I think the hole that the Broncos have found themselves in now, I think a lot of it comes down to the shock retirement of Matt Gillette. They all of a sudden found themselves with a serious lack of leadership in this club and a serious lack of experienced footballers. Matt Gillette, he was unreal. His injury was cut. His sorry, career was cut short with injury. I believe it was a neck injury that hung around for about 18 months and then the shock retirement came. Um, A very sad day for rugby league, you know, considering he played 200 games, Matt Gillette, which is a really good knock when you consider he only made his debut in 2010. He was the rookie of the year for the NRL in 2010, of course. Uh, to still play 200 games on the dot, very impressive. I think his last two seasons, uh, once he had that nick injury, I think he only put together about 20 games or so. So to get to 200 in 10 years, I think it's a really good knock. And he was just always tough, compromising. Another guy like uh, Boyd Corner, who was always willing to take a tough carry and had some real high-end attacking ability to him as well. Obviously, obviously scored 58 tries in his 200 games, which is you know a try every four weeks, which for a back rower, I think that's pretty damn handy to have in your side. Uh, scored 12 tries in his debut season, 12 tries in 21 games. He was unreal when he burst onto the scene. Sort of played in the middle, a little bit at centre as well. Uh, played a number of games for Queensland as well, 20 
appearances for the Queensland Maroons, a win rate of 60%, pretty impressive from 2012-2019. He was a key cog in that team that was just about untouchable. Also, another 12 games for the Kangaroos as well in that time, and I guess he's one of the real unlucky ones. 200 games for the Brisbane Broncos without winning a premiership. A really tough gig. Obviously featured in the 2015 grand final that they lost uh, in heartbreaking fashion to the North Queensland Cowboys. A very, very tough gig there for uh, for poor old Matty Gillette and the way that his career ended. You have got to feel sorry for him. But a champion player of our game, Matt Gillette, obviously a, a captain of the Brisbane Broncos as well. Not many guys... Uh, received that honour and as much as we sort of might look down on the Broncos at the moment I mean when he walked into this system and they obviously went to a grand final with him in the side as well just an unbelievable team and for Matt Gillette to get to that heights of this famous club a sensational effort by him I think he is one that is definitely underrated because of his injury and because of some of the other back rowers that were around at the time but my god he was reliable as all hell and tough as nails Matty Gillette and a good guy of our game as well now the last one one of my favourites of all time, and I can't believe no one mentioned him, to be honest with you, uh, Ali Lawatiti. Now, for me, he was just a one-in-a-million footballer in so many different categories. Uh, a guy that just had skills that halfbacks were envious of. He had the body that other front rowers and second rowers were envious of. He just had everything. A very relaxed character, and I think that's sort of what cost him uh, his time at the New Zealand Warriors. But I really do think that he could have been anything. He was once referred to as the Michael Jordan of Rugby League, which I think is just a perfect compliment for this guy. And I'm sure he's a guy that a lot of younger people probably haven't heard of, but if you get the opportunity to watch a highlights package of Ali Lawatiti, he was unbelievable. The offloading ability in contact that he had and just the vision that he had, just second to none. He used to hold the, the, the ball in one hand. It used to look like a tennis ball, and he would be going at top speed. He'd be bouncing off three or four hundred kilo human with the ball just in one hand grasp. It was unbelievable, Ali Lawatiti. I got so much time for him. Obviously made his debut for the New Zealand Warriors in 1998, stayed there until 2004, was a key cog in their 2002 premiership chase. Of course, they lost the grand final to the Sydney Roosters, but Ali that season... There was just no one getting near him. For me, he was Sonny Bill Williams before there was a Sonny Bill Williams. Probably wasn't as fit and as fast as Sonny Bill, but the skill set and the offload ability absolutely blew Sonny out of the park for me. I still think if he would have stayed in the NRL, I think he would have been considered one of the best back rowers our game has ever seen. He was just so entertaining and... I said before that Simon Mannering, he really fit who the New Zealand Warriors were. You know, their brand is obviously a warrior. He was a true warrior. But back in the early 2000s, the Warriors were known for their razzle-dazzle footy, their offloads, their no-look passes, and it was led by this guy. To have a second rower like him with this much ability would just be unbelievable. I would love to see Ali Lawatiti back in the modern game. The size that he had and the skill set he had, I think he would just be untouchable. He's a guy that you could play at 13, but... In the modern game, the way that we we, we, tack, we go through the middle of them and then we send it out to the edges, Lauatiti, he would have just been unreal. And as I said, 115 games for the New Zealand Warriors before, in my opinion, the Warriors made the biggest mistake in the history of their franchise by letting him go to England. And I think people forget, he played another 282 games in England. Unbelievable. Um, b- between Leeds and Wakefield, I think Leeds, he played almost 200 games for there. I think it was like 190-odd, then finished his career at Wakefield before coming back to uh, the New Zealand Warriors briefly. But 280 games over in England, 115 here in Australia. I mean, 
You're talking close to 400 games there for Ali Lauatiti, and we simply didn't see enough of him in the NRL. And I think a lot of that responsibility falls on the head of the New Zealand Warriors. I think they managed this situation terribly. I think that they didn't embrace who the club was and the sort of players they had there that, yes, there's going to be downside, but when you guys are high and flying and the upside's there, it could be anything. I think it really damaged that playing group that was there from 02 to like 04, 05. Uh, you obviously had uh, the passing of Sunny Fire as well, which, which damaged the club greatly, but you know, the letting Ali Lauatiti go, I think it really did damage this entire club. I think it left a really big hole. Apparently, he was a personality that all the players absolutely loved. He might have driven the coaches mad because he was so relaxed and he was giggling and laughing all the time from what I've gathered, but just such a champion player and a guy that you really can't replicate. He went over to Leeds and he became one of their greatest players that we've ever seen. He's a guy that I wish would have stayed in the NRL. I think the NRL should have done more to keep Ali Lauatiti. I think they should have done more and worked with the New Zealand Warriors because it really was our loss at the end of the day. A champion player who, if he would have stayed in the NRL, I honestly think we would regard him as one of the best back rowers we've ever seen. Without a doubt, one of the most talented. I've never seen a forward that has been more naturally gifted than Ali Lauatiti. Sonny Bill Williams, he's probably the next sort of guy that I would look at, but I would, I still think that Ali could have achieved more than Sonny. As far as being a footballer, the extra little things off the field uh, and, and the character traits that Sonny brought were completely different. They were completely different fellas, but just football ability and skill set, I really do think that Ali was better than Sonny Bill, to be honest with you. A lost talent and a huge loss for the NRL and for us as an audience as well. He would have lit up our screens for ages. The Michael Jordan of the NRL, Ali Lauatiti, probably my most underrated back rower of all time.